All right, and we are back with another episode of the Cousin Soccer Podcast. I am Clark. And I'm Hector. And yeah, we got another episode of uh, Premier League talk coming to you guys. Some European football in general as well included with it. Um, and yeah, let's just dive straight into it, Clark. I know we were talking about this a little bit before this. Um, we're kind of seeing the Premier League turn into a two-horsed race uh, with Man City and Liverpool at the top. You know, just in general, what who if you had to pick today, who who are you taking to win the league? Um I feel like you can't they're both just so good, but I feel like mm-hmm. City just has a deeper roster for whatever reason if someone goes down on City, there's most likely someone that can probably replace them, unless it's like Kevin De Bruyne. But Liverpool, the thing about them that is interesting is, you know, if Mane gets hurt or if Salah gets hurt, they really don't have someone to replace those guys and be able to maybe pick up the slack. Where yeah, City gotta, has like a hundred people, you know. I think you're spot on with that. Um I, I that that's who I would pick is Manchester City as well. Just similar to what you said. It seems like with their system, with their depth, it, it's just easier for them to kind of grind out the whole season-long aspect of this. Now, I think that Liverpool-City game is... Like, if Liverpool were to win that, it's really going to put the pressure on City at that point because it's kind of like... I don't know. It kind of feels like winning that game kind of seals the fate because it's hard to imagine these teams dropping too many points, um, you know, to, to other teams. It'll It'll happen, but, like... It's hard to imagine one of them completely catering. Um, so I think I think you're right. City probably just has more guys that they can lean on, whether it's injuries, uh, fixture congestion, like all that stuff is going to pile up at some point, especially towards the end. And the team that just has more guys to keep plugging in there that kind of fit in seamlessly is probably going to be the one that ends up pulling it out. Um, so, yeah, I I'm with you right there on on City. Um, you know, if we, if we, those two are the, I think the easiest to, to, to kind of like pull out because they're just so far ahead of the pack. And then, you know, Chelsea's in third. They've got some outside of football chaoticness <laughs> going on right now. You know, I think everyone's aware of the, the sanctions and all that. But luckily for them, they kind of ran away with that third spot. You know, they're in that weird limbo where they're far enough ahead that I'd be shocked if they even sniffed falling out of the top four, even top three, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're most definitely not going to catch up to the first two. Um, So, you know, if I'm Chelsea, I'm probably just trying to keep coasting out and and make it to the end of the season. And hopefully there's more clarity with that. But I guess the fourth place one, the final champions league spot, as far as, you know, top four um, is where things are a little bit more interesting. Granted, Arsenal, Arsenal's got a pretty good advantage in the sense that they've got a lot of games in hand. Um, They've got room to keep putting more distance between them and the teams that are behind them. But, you know, the thing that comes with those games in hand, it's easy to kind of think, oh, we've got nine points that are up for grabs that we can put ahead, like between us and say Manchester United, who's in fifth um, between us. But you still have to go out and win those games. And, you know, we saw Arteta actually talking about this just a few days ago, maybe yesterday. kind of talking about how all these fixtures are starting to pile up for Arsenal. I think they're playing, I believe it's like Saturday, Wednesday, Sunday, or sorry, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday at some point. Maybe, I don't know if they're in the middle of that or that's what's coming up. But regardless, you know, I think if I had to pick today, 
my pick for that fourth spot is still Arsenal. But there is a world where, you know, those games start piling up because they still got to play. They still got to play Chelsea. They still got to play Tottenham. Um, so it's not the easiest of schedules. And then kind of like piling all those games together. I don't know. There's a there's a little world there where one or two of those games that they should win don't go how they plan. And all of a sudden, Arsenal is staring at fifth or sixth place in the table. I don't know. What do you think on that? Yeah, I think something that's a little difficult with them, too, is how reliant they are on younger players. And, you know, as as we've seen, there's very few really young guys that can withstand a whole season playing consistently good. Um, You know, you're talking about, like, Holland and really, like, just uh, Mbappe, right? You... It's, it's putting a lot of pressure on these young guys. They don't have too many, uh, you know, veteran players that, I guess, you know, they do. But at the same time, you know, Lacazette, Pepe, you know, they're not even their best players at the moment. Their best guys are Saka, Martinelli, and like Odegaard, you know. So putting the pressure on these three really young guys that go out and play each week, contribute, and potentially win them games is a lot of pressure especially when, like you said, they're going to be playing three matches in the span of like five days. Yeah, so I, it's it's going to be interesting kind of see how that rolls out. I was just looking at their schedule. Um, they, they still have to play, you know, taking them out of the equation, the other top seven teams, like the remaining six, they've still got to play half of them. Uh, Liverpool, sorry, not half, uh, I guess two-thirds of them. You got Liverpool, Manchester United, uh, Chelsea and Tottenham still. Um, sorry, they played Liverpool. I'm I'm all over the place here. They played <laughs> Liverpool. It's West Ham, Manchester United, Chelsea, Tottenham. So, and these are all teams outside of Chelsea that are chasing them. So, like, even one dropped result there, all of a sudden complicates everything completely. I mean, West Ham and Man U, they've got two extra games played. Tottenham only has one extra played game compared to Arsenal. Um, so, like, they still haven't scheduled the North London Derby. There's a lot of people who think they're kind of putting it in their back pocket so they can kind of schedule that down the line if it turns into a must-watch game where these, you know, our, our Tottenham is made up ground and uh, NLD win can, like, put them into that spot. Obviously, that that's going to depend on a whole bunch of other results. But, yeah, I know. I think, like, ultimately, they probably will hold on to that fourth spot. But it's just a matter of one or two games not going as planned, and then all of a sudden you're you know you're you're dragged down into that into that mix where it seems like every other week, you know, one of the other teams are. I mean, you look at Tottenham specifically; they literally have alternated between wins and losses for what feels like a month and a half now. Um, if they had found any sort of consistency, they would be sniffing that fourth fourth place spot. You know, Manchester United similarly. They they were on a very solid run for a while, and now you know they've dropped a few points here and there. They beat Tottenham, which was huge, um, just for for maintaining their current spot. But yeah, I guess like it almost feels like it's harder to pick which team would catch Arsenal more so to say there's a, a world where Arsenal drops out of that fourth spot because it's just like so many different things could go wrong for them. But yeah, like I said, still. I just think they're still going to be able to grind out enough points. And to add to that, I just don't trust the teams that are behind them to be able to consistently make up that ground. Like I don't trust Tottenham at all 
to make up the group. They, they could just as easily be one point behind Arsenal before the North London Derby, or they could be nine by that point. Like, right. <laughs> it, you you never you know what you're going to get there. Like, man, you, if I had to pick one team that could stay up there and maybe catch them, it's Manchester United, just because, like, as we saw in the Tottenham game, Cristiano Ronaldo, while he hasn't been, like, the answer to fix Manchester United, he's still a guy who can kind of, like, decide certain games for you. Of course. Um, so I don't know. I, I think I'd still pick Arsenal, but if I had to pick another team who I think has the most realistic shot at catching them, I think I would pick Manchester United. Yeah. I mean, it really depends on, you know, uh, right now they got Sancho. He's starting to really figure out his game. Um, he's starting to really come alive at this part of, or at this point in the season. Fred surprisingly has looked really good in the past few games um or significantly better than normal you know bruno's been pretty off so they've kind of been looking around for somebody to step up rashford's not that guy he's at one point you know two maybe three years ago we were all like oh yeah no he's this is it this is you know you're gonna have this guy for the next decade and he's gonna be scoring goals every single week dude can barely contribute on the field he's lost any confidence so it's yeah watching watching Rashford's a bit bizarre like you know a lot of times whether it's injuries age you know you can usually attribute it to something but Rashford's just one of those guys who's kind of just like I don't know like fallen off the face of the earth lately uh but I, I still think he could turn it around like the guy's still young. He's shown just how good he can be in the past. But like you're saying, if I had, you know, today, it's just hard to really count on him. Yeah, you definitely can't. Obviously, the whole uh, thing with Greenwood is a hurt loss to the team, but, you know, you don't need that on your team. Uh, mm -hmm. Cavani hasn't been healthy at all. So you're relying so heavily on Ronaldo. And, you know, Ronaldo. Is human. He's obviously he's good, but not what the team needs whatsoever. Yeah, I think Ronaldo's kind of like that that luxury signing. Who, like I said, he might he could be the deciding factor in some points here and there. And you know what? This year that might be enough to get you that fourth spot. But as we can see, like it certainly wasn't enough to even sniff a title run or like a deep run in Europe, like. And I know you you touched on that a lot throughout the season, kind of like how there were so many other other issues for Manchester United to target that, you know, maybe, for example, they would have lost that Tottenham game if they would have made a few different other like other signings instead of Ronaldo. But over the course of the season, you probably would have gotten more consistent, solid results out of them. Right. I mean, Scott McTominay is not a starting midfielder for a top club in the premier league you know fred might be a rotational player same i mean same with scott scott might be a rotational guy but having them start each week and heavily relying on them and you know demandia modic who's like 33 you know you're really putting a lot on three players that shouldn't really be the center of you know they shouldn't start every game it yeah you, it's <laughs> Trust me, I see it. I see it all the time with with Tottenham. You know, <laughs> you you get used to playing in Champions League for a few years, 
and I think you kind of get into the zone where you just assume your roster is good enough to, to maintain at least that like as a minimum level. But when you actually start looking at the details, like as much as I like Hoiberg, for example, like he is not a Champions League quality starter by any means. He's a great guy to have on your team off the bench, you know, in the season, those those weeks where you're playing, say, like a Watford or a Brentford, like he's the perfect kind of guy you want to be able to rotate in or to sub on later in the game to kind of just grind out a, a result. But those aren't the type of players that you can rely on over the course of the season. And for, this goes for both teams until they kind of like invest intelligently, which to Tottenham's credit, I think their winter window, it, it was one of the best that they've had, you know, in, in years, pretty much every player that was brought in looks to be like immediately starting quality. Like Bentoncourt mm-hmm. has been phenomenal in the midfield and Kulosevsky has been incredible on the, on the wing wing. Like it, it's like having a Lucas Mora level effort, but with like extra added skill and I, I don't know. I know he was really, he's young. He's, I think, 22 years old. Um, and people talked about kind of the ceiling that he had. But since he's arrived, I believe he's contributed, at least in the Premier League, um, I think it was two goals and now up to like four assists. Yeah. So, like, that's just, it, it's such a huge help. And and while the team as a whole has been so inconsistent, you you start to see some of the pieces that you're like, okay, like this this we can keep for next year. Uh, but yeah, both clubs still have so much left to address if they want to get back into that. I think right now you kind of have that first tier, like we said, of City, Liverpool. Kind of feels like Chelsea's alone in that second tier. And then Arsenal, Manchester United, Tottenham, even West Ham, to me, all kind of occupy that next group. Um, and I think the club that that finally takes time to really kind of overhaul those spots is going to be that next one that can, they might not catch Chelsea in a season, but they can at least solidify themselves as like the team behind them. And, you know, over two or three years, maybe solidify themselves as that third best team. Cause it's hard to imagine anyone really catching Liverpool or city right now. Yeah. Someone you're talking about two, three really good signings per team and having all of those signings and maybe young guys all playing really, really well. Just, it's hard to do. <laughs> just a little. <laughs> just a little. Yeah, that's not much going on. You know, we'll, we would end up talking about the same thing every single week if we just talked about how bad United is or Spurs are. Um, they are inconsistent, but, you know, there's some positives that can be found in a lot of these games. Like, for yeah. example, that what's his name? That that guy you're talking about, uh, uh, Kulosevsky. That guy, I hadn't didn't know who he was. I didn't, and I flipped on one of the Spurs matches, and he just like blasts in a goal. Yeah, from, like, he's outside the he's box. legit. Like, who, is, who is this guy? And and he has. It's clear he has like the effort is there, the skill is there, and then. You know, like we've seen from other players in the past, he just has that, whether you want to call it like intangibles or whatever, like whatever it is, he has it because he's been able to step right in and consistently is making like the right pass. Even if it doesn't end in a goal, you're just like, that was the right decision. And like he takes the right risks, the right chances. And that's just something that we haven't had in that spot consistently for a while. So he really, you know, I would argue probably the best kind of like 
addition to the squad since a guy like I don't know, since like Oliver Skip came up through the academy and like joined the team and has kind of turned into that solid midfielder. Like we haven't had a lot of players come in and become surefire starters. Um, you know, and Dumbele was a flop. Lo Celso was hurt all the time. Uh, Sergio Regulon, I guess, is close to it, but his position, I guess it's like harder for him to make a consistent impact. Plus, over the past weeks before he picked up a knock, um, Ryan Sessegnon seems to be kind of like starting to jump him a little bit in the depth chart, but more so in like in a good way where like he's starting to show that potential that that Tottenham really invested in, in which case, like, I will gladly take Regulon being replaced if it means it's because Sessegnon is starting to blow up. Um, but but yeah, I mean if Tottenham can kind of take what they did in the winter and take it up another level in the summer and really start, you know, maybe bring in another center back because Romero looks fantastic. Um, and paired with Dyer, I was shocked, honestly, that he didn't call up, get, did not get a call up to the England squad. Cause in my opinion, he's been one of the best center backs, especially like in the calendar year. Um, but there's still a third, like if they're going to play three in the back, they still need to make, I think one more, like high level center back signing, which they've been linked to a few names. I don't know if it'll happen. Conte apparently wants it to happen. So like, hopefully the pressure is there to, to, to get that done. But yeah, I would say kind of like what you, what you were saying, you need about three players. Each of these teams do to really kind of fix these issues. You think uh, Spurs might want Harry Maguire? Oh goodness. I mean, if I it may be a, a deal. It's gonna, might be a little hard to to pay enough for Man U to recoup what they've spent, but no, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, between Manchester United's uh, Harry Maguire purchase and Tottenham's and Dembele purchase, I think they sneak up to close to $140 million, which like that that right there, if you want wondering where things have kind of gone downhill with these two clubs, look no further. Yeah. Mary McGuire. Yeah, so uh, not much more else to go on about. Um, you know, this week got some nice matches against... It's actually, there's a decent match this week against uh, Arsenal versus Aston Villa would be pretty good. There's Spurs versus West Ham. Um, I feel like that's really the biggest game. Those are like yeah, the biggest I, matches this weekend. I would agree with that. I think that uh especially that that Spurs game, it, it kinda like it, it feels like whoever wins out of those two or whoever I you know, more whoever loses out of those two falls out of the race to catch Arsenal. I, I mm-hmm. think it's pretty much safe. Especially West Ham who already has two extra games played than than Arsenal. You know, if they if they drop three points here, I would say go ahead and scratch them off and it kinda turns into just Arsenal, Man U and and uh Spurs fighting out that last spot. Completely agree. Yeah, it'll be an interesting weekend. Really give us a picture for what's to come the next few weeks. So, yeah. Um, got anything else you want to talk about? Or good? No, that's it. I'm, you know, hopefully, you know, that title race will be fun to watch, and hopefully, the the race for fourth will be good to watch. And who knows, the relegation battle, you know, Norwich is kind of buried. The other two spots could get interesting. I don't know. You know, just depends how how some of those clubs at the bottom do. But um, yeah, both 
top of the table fourth and, and the bottom of it, ideally we'll have some fun games to watch over the end of the season. But uh, for now, yeah, I think I think those are just the things to watch for. Me too. All right. Well, thanks for listening and uh, join us next time. See ya.